Shit. Shit, 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 shit. What's up, everybody? Welcome to February 2021, and welcome to another episode of Fuck I Forgot to Save. This is a podcast where we talk about the wonderful, wild world of video games. And with me are two good friends. I've got Gus here with me from the Friendly Reminder Podcast. What's going on, Gus? Hey, Derek. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. And I've got Daniel K. Goku with me. How's it going, Dan? Good. Um, just very uh, excited to talk about Vidya games. Vidya. Right on. This, this is a video game podcast, but I felt like I should just also toss into the mix here the fact that I am now, I guess, statistically at the highest level of resistance to COVID. I guess that I can be without actually contracting COVID. My, my vaccination, uh, what's the, the time that the nanomachines take to settle in has reached maximum capacity. So today was my first day back at work teaching kiddos in person. And I got to say, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> real it was a good, real it was a good time. Yeah, real life again. Yeah, uh, it was a good time. I'm glad to be back. But boy, I had forgotten how much it takes out of you. How do you feel? Can you... Can you see the matrix? Yeah. Now that I've now that the the I can feel them swimming around in my bloodstream. Um, I'm picking up all the five G. Uh, I get about a billion channels straight to my brain, so it's good. I feel really good. Nice. Um, and my voice is a little shot from yelling at kids all day in person, as opposed to through a microphone, which I've been doing for the past almost year. Uh, so if I sound a little bit hoarse, sorry. That's why. I'm not used to this anymore. I got to get was my... it like really bizarre seeing all these people in real life. Yeah, like, it was. Wow, this is like it's kind of it's a to think weird this is a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird because. I mean, you know, obviously I had been around people somewhat, but being. There's this idea that you you acknowledge that things are not normal because everybody's in masks and they're and the kids are sitting with these dividers on their desks to minimize <laughs> spit flying across the room, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, That's actually more sophisticated so, than I thought. I, I figured they would just be yeah. like spaced apart. Like, so they are, uh, they are as much as we can get them. Um, but it's, yeah, it's weird. Cause everyone is just trying to pretend like this is the normal, you know, like, and I guess every, that's how they had been doing it for a long time. And because I finally got vaccinated and am no longer at such a high risk for it, I was able to jump into the mix. And so they had all they were all used to it, you know, and I was the yeah. I was the weirdo being like, what's going on? Um, <laughs> How's everyone's weekend? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. It's been a weird one for me. So anyway, um, but we do have some video games to talk about. Um, Gus, why don't you go first? Gus, you've been playing some Control. Tell us about it. Yeah, I have. So I've been playing specifically Control Ultimate Edition on my Xbox Series X. 
Um, so Control is a game that came out, I believe, late 2019. So it's not a recent game. Um, I'm not entirely sure if we, you know, if, if, unless you guys have questions, if we want to go into like the actual game. Um, other than that, I want to do want to say it is a very competent shooter. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Um, the telekinetic powers work very well. The story, I don't know what's going on with the story. I, I don't know what's up with it, but it's it's like a little bit of X Files meets a little bit of Twin yeah. Peaks. Um, I kind of don't really know what's going on uh, with that. It, it's intriguing. It's, it looks like it has layers to it. But right now, I'm mainly confused with, with what the story <laughs> is. Um, it's, I, I again, I, I've been enjoying the game. But what I'm going to talk about just first and foremost is what Ultimate Edition means. Because uh, con when Control came out in 2019, specifically on the base consoles, um, it did not perform very well um you know we, we talk about cyberpunk having that issue well quite a few games were having that issue really towards like 2019 2020 that on, yeah. especially on the ps4 base and and the xbox one s it was just performing poorly um so this edition is optimized for both the playstation 5 and the xbox series x um and what i can confirm is that it ran a couple of like hiccups here and there um but it looks great. It runs great. Uh, I have a little bit of a bone to pick uh, because this edition, like many games, has two modes. It has performance is like your regular like Lucian. Um, it performs great. Like it runs great. Graphics mode, on the other hand, is all lock -in, But the main thing about it is that Nick, I, I don't know if you can explain ray tracing. I, I cannot. So my suggestions for uh, suggestion for players is to pick a mode. And just stick with it. Um, don't go back and forth because you're always going to get this like the grass is always greener <laughs> on the other side type yeah. of thing. So just stick with it. But you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating because this is called Control Ultimate Edition, and then you have to make this like pretty big choice into what, the ultimate what, choice. <laughs> yeah, you have to make a sacrifice some way or another. So uh, I don't know that that's a bit of a bummer, but considering how poorly it ran in, on, on base co consoles. And I even think there were issues on the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. Um, this runs really well. Like, I, I haven't had any issues. Um, I don't know. Have you guys played Control? Do you have any questions about this game or anything like that? I played so a little I, bit of it. Yeah, so it was free on PS Plus. So I have a PS4 Pro, so I downloaded it, and I played through. And I don't want to spoil any of the very, very um, intricate plot that has a lot of spoilers in it um but uh it i i have the first like psychic power basically the one that lets you like pull like pull grab things and shoot them at people basically yeah, yeah. the launch um, i think is what they yeah call. so I, I mean it seems like a a competent shooter um it doesn't feel like particularly nice maybe that's part of the performance hmm. you know the frame rate kind of issue i don't know felt a little janky at first wasn't in love with the shooting per se but you know i'm pretty early on so it might just be you know just getting used to it um the story i was i was making fun of it a little bit it does it is kind of intriguing i feel like it's it's intentionally very ambiguous as to what's really going on. um you know minor I'll spoilers I was just going to say, I'll, I, I played a little bit of it, too. I, I'm probably about, or I got probably as far as to where you are about uh, the progress that you've made. Dan, I, boy, I really butchered that shit. You know what I mean? I got probably as far as where you are right now, Dan. Um, yeah. And I was less pulled in by the story, by the narrative itself. Um, but I did really appreciate just the setting and the 
premise. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that the game takes place in a facility that houses and uh, kind of like contains uh, paranormal objects. Uh, the, the, the location's called the, old, the Oldest House, and right. it's home to the Federal Bureau, Bureau of Control. Right. And that everything surrounding that I found uh, really interesting and kind of fun. Um, this is a game, you know, I've been on both sides of the reading emails to get the story uh, debate. I, there are games that I thought that that was great. I think Metroid yeah. Prime was the first game that really did that uh, well. Um, and also I've played games where it's just like, okay, I don't, I don't give a shit about reading these emails. I think that the way that it, the, the way that control does that is pretty cool um, because you're, you're basically reading these descriptions of different uh, items or, or paranormal objects that have been contained in this facility. And the, the creativity behind some of that stuff is really, really um, expertly utilized. I, I think that that's kind of what uh, there's there's story regarding what's going on with the protagonist that you're playing as that I was less uh, excited about. But yeah, the flavor text is it's it's very humorous. And I did find myself reading all of it, which I don't typically yeah. do. I'm, I typically skip through a lot of that stuff. But yeah, it, it's pretty funny and entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the I, I'm not so captivated by the overall narrative just yet either. But just the writing, like the nitty gritty writing in those like classified files that you find, or even some of the videos are are really clever, really well done, really well acted. Right. Um, Dr. Darling, who is like the head of, uh, I guess the head scientist of, of that agency, uh, is probably my favorite character of the game. Um, there was a really funny line where you're you're watching a video. It, it's the videos of him are literally just FMV videos. Like it's a it's a live actor um, acting it out. And there was he was talking about this device that are called HRAs, which is like you strap them um, around yourself, and they're supposed to protect you from the main enemy in the game, which is called the hiss. Um, and he he was talking into the camera, and he's like, I know what you're thinking. Did we make these HRAs to spy on you? to know uh, what messages you're sending to your family, to know every single detail about your life? Of course not. We know that without the HRAs. <laughs> so, and I thought that was like really, yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah, overall, um, it's enough to, to captivate me to keep playing. I'm glad that there's a more playable version available on these base consoles. Um, I'm going to keep playing through it. I'm probably, probably going to stick with graphics mode because it, this is the first ray tracing game or the game that has ray tracing that i've ever played and i'm pretty um impressed by it i know it doesn't it doesn't run as well as it will uh, in a really high-end pc but i think it still looks really sharp that's cool was this like a top you know like was this in in everybody's top 10 lists in the year it came out i'm just wondering because i mean we seem you seem pretty uh enthused about it but yeah i don't know if you're you're saying you know is it like an amazing game or like wasn't this one of the top rated games in the year it came out or am i misremembering it no, was it was yeah there was it was on top of a lot of the list um right now i'm liking the game i wouldn't say um that it's i mean obviously it's weird because this is a 2019 game i, I would have to refresh my memory of what games came out that year uh but it wouldn't 
this kind of game I don't think would normally make my top five lists in a year or anything like that. So far, I'm still early enough that I, I could really change my mind. Um, but really, it, it's more of a game that I've been enjoying my time with it. I, I want to say the developers of this game um, is uh, Remedy uh, Studios. They made, uh, um, if you guys are familiar with Alan Wake, uh, they also made a game called Quantum Break, which was this like kind of weird half game, half TV show type of thing that yeah. I never played, but I believe it didn't really work out well for them. And they also made the first two Max Payne games. So they have a good pedigree. Um, and I think this is one of the better ones. Uh, it's been a while since I played the Max Payne games, but I, I feel like this is a very refined game. It looks like they've learned a lot from all their previous games, and this is kind of like one of their um, maybe top of the line game that they made so far cool and it's cool that you know ray tracing is kind of a new thing um that i think a lot of people i think your your average kind of walk into best buy looking for the new video game type of player uh is kind of the target for this right because they're not going to be the type of person that is going to that this is going to expose to ray tracing for the first time is not you know they don't own yeah. a 3060 or whatever right they so this is a, a good way for people who are, you know, maybe just got a PS5 or a Series X. Um, yeah. And I, I imagine that this is going to be their first exposure to ray tracing. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, just on that note real quick is like, there's also been some confusion about this game's release because this was... Um, Again, Control Ultimate Edition was available for pre-order for quite a few months now. You could have pre-ordered. In fact, I did pre-order this game like about two to three months ago because um, I was originally just gonna because you could you could pre-order it and get it get just Control the regular game, and I was thinking of just playing that game. But then when I realized that the Ultimate Edition was coming out in February, I just decided to hold off. So there's a lot of people that like me that did that, and then in February, uh, PlayStation or Sony, I should say. Uh, came out and we're like oh this is a this is gonna be a, a what do you call it like the a, free yeah, on the playstation free or playstation plus yeah yeah so a lot of people that pre-order it were really pissed because if they had just waited they would have just gotten it for free yeah. and that they have to pay for it um and for then real. on on the microsoft microsoft side of things it's a little weirder because can't you control cancel your pre-order um, I think I'm not sure about that, but I think it's just considered to be a purchase because you get control the the actual like the original game for it. Um, so um, on Microsoft side, it's a little bit weirder because Control is available on Game Pass. It became available on Game Pass, uh, but it's the original. It's like the the older like previous not uh, the gen, ultimate, not the ultimate edition. Oh my god! Yeah, again, it's it's kind of a mess, and it just really like again encapsulates what a, what a mess right now uh ne i keep saying next gen consoles we really should be saying current gen consoles are right now you know with microsoft do you guys remember smart delivery where it was supposed to be like this like this yeah. marketing term that they came up where it's like if you buy a previous gen game and then you get your xbox one x it's just gonna op magically upgrade Magic. into the next mm -hmm. gen version and so far that hasn't really been happening and it, it's, yeah. it's 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 kind of this other crazy like weird thing where cyberpunk is supposed to do that but it's not coming out now until i think the second half of 2021 ea said that they're not going to do that um remedy did this whole thing where here's control and then here's control ultimate edition which is the next gen con or next gen version or i imagine that's version. that's something that microsoft said without consulting its publishers first and then yeah. when they got wind of that they were like are you fucking kidding me we've got to put all that work in to just magically update 
all these people's games. I don't know. That seems, I don't know. That seems like it's, it's, you know, the, the way that things are right now with gaming and the way that this transition specifically between the former generation and this now current generation of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, um, it just, I don't know. This, we've talked about it before, uh, either on this podcast or on Friendly Reminder. Just this is, we're, we're just getting to that point where it's just PCs. We're just talking about PC gaming, you know? But anyway, yeah. so that's kind of earlier when we were talking about the visual mode versus the performance mode. Hey, that's right. Just, uh, <laughs> that's just PC gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else to say about control? No, that about covers it. Cool. All right. Um, so the three of us actually have all also been playing uh, Super Mario 3D World slash Bowser's Fury. Um, Dan, why don't you start with this one? Give me your impressions of this game. Sure. So, so you really recommended Super Mario 3D World um, as a game that was frequently missed out on because not a lot of people owned a Wii U. Um, yeah. So that that game seems. I mean, um, you know, I think it's a. I have. I'm not super far into it because I switched over to Bowser's Fury pretty quickly. But um, it seems like a pretty strong game. It does not seem as sort of whimsical as Mario Odyssey. I guess that Mario Odyssey was my favorite game the year that it came out of the year. So I, I you know, have very. I guess high mm-hmm. standard. I'm comparing it. It's it's an unfair comparison, obviously, but um, that's kind of the closest comparison. And you know, it's a fun game. I understand why it it feels a little bit like it was designed for, but it was a designed for four players. So the game feels a little almost big for your character when you're playing just single player. Um, that's the mm-hmm. best way I can describe it. Um, but you know, it seems like a, a very you know, well-made Mario game. And I can feel there. there's definitely a Mario feeling to it where, you know, it's slowly building up the the things that are, ha- the puzzles and stuff. And eventually it's just going to go crazy. And, and you're going to be, those same basic elements are going to be in like hyper elaborate puzzles and, and things like that. Um, Bowser's Fury, obviously a different, different story. It's a different, uh, I believe it's, I believe Super Mario 3D is, is it fixed camera? It's something with the camera, right? It's it's, it's not it's not typically a yeah, float, like a three D. It's not as platformer. Yeah, you don't you don't have as much control over the camera as you do in Bowser's Fury, or or definitely not as much as a uh, you know one of the mainline three D Mario games like you know Odyssey, uh, Galaxy, Sunshine. But um, you do there is a little bit. I think you can control like the tilt of it, but. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Bowser's Fury, I mean, that to me, it seems more just like a almost a an expansion of Mario or just a, an additional world in Mario Odyssey, like a, a big one, I guess. Um yeah. so I'm about uh a cu- couple of hours into it. I'm I'm um the collectible is is these like sun things. And just to give you an idea of how far into it, I think I have like 17 to 20 suns around there um and i think um so the whole sort of i guess the the gimmick of bowser's fury is that you're in this sort of water world and bowser that's been contaminated by this like 
Tar and Bowser is has been like transformed into the basically me- mega mecha Godzilla, you know, like the <laughs> Godzilla version of Bowser. Uh-huh. Um and so you're you're just like running around in, in these like you know fun Mario puzzle world, and all of a sudden, you know, it'll start rain will start coming down and and the music will get all intense and you'll see Bowser in the background and he'll start attacking you and you can you can you can do uh you know a little bit of a little bit of damage to him in various ways but for the most part when Bowser is is doing his thing you're you're mostly just holding on to your ass and and then just kind of holding tight and you know maybe you're trying to solve whatever puzzle you're doing for the most part I found it easier to just hold on to my ass and not and try not to die um uh but after you collect a certain amount of uh suns you can they're, get... they're called cat shines cat shines sorry yes i forgot they're i Please. why are they pushing the cat thing is it because the cat thing is yeah it's big yeah, yeah there's cats, cats everywhere cats are cute. yeah no cats are great but everything is a cat for some reason it yeah. didn't really you know, it was very Miyamoto... not found a stray cat and um he took care of it for a month and it really inspired this whole and it's thing really shaped his entire design ethos yeah. going forward the cat the cat now lives in the garden that inspired pikmin next to the cave that inspired zelda yeah uh, i'm pretty sure you're joking but actually that would be that's totally plausible that that happened <laughs> no but i i mean it's beautiful i mean all the cool the cat stuff is awesome it's all whimsical and mario like it's just with the layer of cat stuff on it for some reason but yeah. the the you know you collect the the bells or sorry you unlock i think it's called a mecha bell which transforms you into a monster giga bell giga bell sorry it transforms you into a uh basically super saiyan version of our, of the cat mario um but gigantic and you do battle with bowser and um, you know, this process repeats. Uh, I'm not sure if it varies from there because I have not gotten that far in the game. But, you know, it's it's a it's a fun game and, and it's got the, it's, you know, very much in that Mario vein where everything feels sort of you're you're just sort of traveling along and you're kind of doing puzzles, but it doesn't even feel like you're sort of do, it just feels like you're kind of exploring and and having fun and and. Yeah, it feels like one of the worlds in Super Mario Odyssey, you know. Um, but what I don't really understand is, it was kind of the hook of it. It that people are like, "Oh yeah, this is like the next generation of Mario. This is like next next level Mario play. Like this is the next thing." Um, almost like you know a Super Mario Galaxy size leap. But to me, it was like. Well, this is, I mean, this is just like a cool gimmick, but I mean, are they really going to design an entire game around this um, particular mechanic? I don't really understand that, that whole yeah. conversation, but maybe I'm not, just not understanding it. Like I, like I said, it's fun, but it, nothing, nothing about it is like, I guess nothing in it reaches the heights of things that I can m- remember very specifically from super mario uh sorry from mario odyssey like the the levels that are like tributes to nintendo with like fireworks and things like that uh i don't know if you remember that 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 stuff was crazy uh nothing in it like reaches that level i guess that's not really a fair comparison but 
I'm just sort of calibrating. You have to calibrate your expectations. I, I don't really understand. And maybe you can explain it to me how this is supposed to be like the next sort of Mario iteration. I think when people, because I, I saw that, I saw similar takes on uh, on Twitter and stuff when this was coming out. I think. Um, so that wasn't, a, that's not a narrative or that was like promoted by Nintendo at all or like even uh, in, indirectly they weren't like oh this is what's to come no i don't no. think so i think that was okay. yeah this is more like kind of how oh, so people were people speculating speculating Got yeah it. um I, I i will say that one thing that i do hope kind of takes hold is i think the so in a way this game has a hub world in that or it has a it has a a progression we'll say M- kind of more so than like a hub world um because as you progress through the game um i don't know what ha- you you end up clearing out more of the the poison the muck the muck, and that yeah. reveals that reveals new stages essentially but it also sort of changes the old stuff a little bit right oh does it's it not- okay Maybe, maybe, so, maybe again, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I thought it kind of shifted a little. Okay, yeah, maybe so. Um, I think that the what people are really kind of, uh, I, I don't know if hoping for is the right. Uh, yeah, I guess some some people definitely want to see uh, Mario games go in this direction. Um, I don't know. Open world is kind of a weird way to describe this. It's not exactly uh, quote unquote open world experience but it is but it's also not you know the castle in mario 64 um it's it's kind of something in between those two things i think it's it works really well that said i've only uh advanced the playable area once i've only done one of the bowser fights so far um so i've still got a lot to to go on this game before i can actually make a fair judgment on um, but uh, uh, Gus, you've played more of it. What, what are your thoughts on this? So my thoughts are that in terms of the narrative, like is this like the next gen Mario game, or is this like Mario's next direction? Um, I don't. I, I don't think this game necessarily is is like oh yeah, like it's taking Mario to the next level. This, this game, and I'm not even sure. If, if game is the right word, because it's not a standalone game. Uh, but this Bowser's Fury specifically feels like an experiment, like a proven concept that Nintendo's doing. Um, I don't know if maybe it's during this whole pandemic situation where they're, um, you know, they're, they're trying to adjust working from home and they're just kind of experimenting. Uh, but it feels like Nintendo has had this idea of expanding Mario to a more open world like direction. Because um, I, do kind of feel like this is an open world um uh, i understand that it's you know you do open segments little by little but there's been open worlds that have done that open world games have yeah. done that gta used GTA, to do that yeah. too um so this is that in the sense that once everything is opened you can basically go go everywhere you want and then you can go back to previous islands and discover new things uh, there's a little bit more of a dynamic element too especially when bowser comes out where you're you're like there were situations where i'm chasing the shine and i'm going through the obstacles and all of a sudden bowser just shows up and shit's falling all over the place and i have fire and i'm still trying to do my objective but it just got temp like way harder so yeah that's been cool um it's hard to say if 
this is where I want Mario to go because I'm a believer that not everything needs to be an open world, right? Like we we don't not every there's there are games that benefit being linear. I think some of the better games, like I think Galaxy is my favorite 3D uh, Mario game, and it's a very linear game. Um, but there's something here. I mean, I think I think if Nintendo can find a way to maybe tweak some things, um, maybe make the world feel a little bit more diverse because I, I think the whole island setting makes it look kind of samey. Um, but I, I think there's an idea here that if they keep kind of working on this, there could be. I, I'm not entirely sure if, if the concept is just like a huge open world Mario, but maybe like similar to how previous Mario games are, you know, there's a hub and you go to different worlds like Odyssey, just make those worlds feel like one of these where it's just way bigger. It's more dynamic, almost like Kidman levels, you know, like you just go to this like mini little open world and it's very dynamic, not necessarily like you just go through a linear level and you get, you get your shine and you finish the level. It's yeah. still like it's open. Um, I, one of the things that I like about Mario Odyssey as opposed to Mario Sunshine is that when you get a, you get a moon, it just keeps going. Right, like yeah. you just keep going up, and yep. then in sunshine, when you go into it, you pick what moon or what shine you want to get, and then there's kind of an objective. Then once you get the shine, you're thrown back out, and then you have to go yeah. back into the jump world. back so into the yeah. This yeah. feels like it could be an evolution to to Odyssey, but I think they have to tweak a few things. I don't know about the whole Bowser thing. Like I could see that I, I've only played about three, two, three hours maybe, but that's already starting to feel like at first I was like, oh, this is this is neat, but after some time it's like oh he's coming out again better find a place to hide or mm -hmm. better get on my dinosaur and just kind of avoid wait his, it out yeah his shit okay. so i don't know if that idea is is, is should stick what i do think you're so jaded stick. you're like just get on my dinosaur and fly yeah, away, just fly away. <laughs> fuck you bowser you can't touch me um what i no do boring. think should stay <laughs> um so what i think i should, should stay is the um inventory thing where uh, you have you actually have an inventory of items that you can select. Like say right now I'm a I'm in a Tanuki suit, but I need to climb this tower. I'm gonna change to Cat Mario, uh, or there's I'm gonna change to Boomerang Mario. Um, if you're gonna go down a more open, even like in Odyssey, like if you're gonna go down that route as something more open like that and not just linear Mario games, I think this is cool and it gives coins more of a meaning because once you get a hundred coins, you get an item. Um, that you can store and use it whenever you you need it. So okay. I think Nintendo should keep a version of that for future Mario games. I I cool. agree with that, and I think Nintendo does such an excellent job slowly integrating this stuff and integrating it so well that I was like, is that inventory system in Mario Odyssey? Am I just forgetting that was in? And there's like a couple of things like that where I'm like, oh, was that in Mario Odyssey? I don't even I don't remember that. Um, like the uh. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think there's a an area called Trixie Towers or Trix Trix. Do you, or do you know what I'm talking about? The invisible tower. Um, yeah, like where the yes. entire tower is invisible, but yeah, appears yeah, when you know you can see it a little better when Bowser is out. So I thought that was kind of cool and dynamic, and actually gave you a reason to like hope Bowser would come out because then you could kind of check the tower and, and and. But I think there were sort of invisible puzzles in previous mario games i just don't remember but nintendo does a great job of, of sort of it, iterating on that stuff so much that you're not even sure whether you know it's it's in this newest system or whether it came out before um i wanted to add that i think that <clears throat> i agree with the 
point that not everything wants to be an open world. I did. There were points in Bowser's Fury where I did where the best comparison uh, to another game would be uh, Metal Gear Solid (laughs) Five, where I would sort of stand back and there'd be like an area and I'd be just looking at it. And Metal Gear was a base. You'd look at the base and you'd think, what's the best way to approach this? Like, what's the best way to sort of take these guards out? And you'd like, it's not obviously not exactly like that, but you know, you'd stand back, you'd look at a giant area with a ton of stuff going on. You do you do that in other Mario games too, but in this game, because of the sort of large area where you were sort of traveling around, it, it feels a little more dynamic. Like you can approach the areas from different directions, which hmm. means you can kind of interact with the systems and puzzles in ways that seem you know where you're almost like oh am i breaking this and then you know when you find find a hidden cat cat shine yeah Yeah. when you find a hidden cat shine oh oh i'm not i'm not breaking this the developers considered this to some extent you know it feels a a little like you're you're doing something like you're breaking the systems a little bit which is that's i mean that's that's expert design right when if the if the designers trick you into thinking that you're breaking the game but they knew that you know what i mean like that's 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 beautiful anyway yeah yeah so i did want to ask you nick a question about this game because you uh famously among our ranks are not a huge fan of super mario odyssey i'm not saying you think it's a bad game or anything like that but it's you definitely have issues um specifically with its moon structure and how some of the moons are you can just like do this small little thing that takes five seconds and you get a moon and then you can do some some crazy um objective or or clear a crazy level and get a moon that's valued the same which that didn't bother me too much but I, i i see the argument there but I know you haven't played a whole lot of this game, and I know it's not a one-to-one comparison because this game's like, I believe I've been, I've been hearing it's like between five to eight hours, whereas Odyssey, you could probably put in 80 hours or more if you wanted to. Um, but in your little time with it, do you feel like maybe this is a better structure with, with the shines? And then there's like shards where you if you get five of them, that creates a, a shine. Do you think maybe that's what Nintendo should have done with Odyssey with some of their more, I guess, trivial or smaller like moods that you get? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think Mario games are at their best when a I'm going to say level. But when I when I say a level, I mean, because as that term gets more nebulous, I guess what I mean is a a set of related challenges. Um, So like if you if you think of a level in Mario three, every level in Mario three uh, is based around mastering one mechanic. And so, and, and the level will start out and have you um, introduce you to the mechanic in a way that's safe, that won't kill you. So let's just pretend that it's moving platforms. Um, the level introduces the moving platforms, and as a player, you go, oh, okay, these move. And without realizing it, you jump on it, and you, you, there's no uh, uh, threat to you because you know that you're safe. It's It might be above a, a ledge that you can't fall into a pit and die or something like that, right? And they iterate on that idea and throw it at you in new ways to challenge your mastery of that new mechanic. And then at the end, usually the structure is that at the, at the very end, uh, they throw some like really big challenge at you. And then once you've completed that, you get to the goal and... That's the end of the course, and you go on to the next one. And then the next one is going to be a brand new mechanic, completely different 
Um, and that's generally, I think that's when Mario games are their best. And what I, where I think Odyssey, um, did not live up to what it could have was Odyssey had the best movement of a Mario game in Cappy. Cappy was fantastic. The, the, the options that you had to maneuver Mario using Cappy in Mario Odyssey were so fun. They were, it was so dynamic. It led to so many different um, possibilities and outcomes. But at the same time, the levels that they provided to the player to play around in with Cappy didn't make use of that um, much. They did in some cases, but I mean, I always make the joke that Mario Odyssey is a game about kicking rocks around and seeing if there's a moon inside. And the reason that I make that joke is because sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't. So the game doesn't do a good job of conveying what it wants from the player. And I think that Mario games are at their best when they have that focused, mechanic-oriented structure to their levels. So when it comes to Bowser's Fury, and again, I've only played maybe half an hour to an hour of it so far. When it comes to Bowser's Fury, I feel like it's doing a very good job so far of keeping to that formula of sticking to one mechanic, sticking to one type of challenge that it puts the player through, and throwing it at the player in different ways, mixing it up, but still using making use of that same mechanic. Um, and then at the end, you you know, the reward is you, your badge of, of completion, which is the cat shine. Um, I, I like the open world structure. If it, if it is an open world full of those, the, the reward in a Mario game should be the fun that you have playing the level. Not that you happen to randomly kick a rock and a moon popped out. So that's why that's my beef with Mario Odyssey. I know that was a long-winded <laughs> answer to your question. Um, and I went on a bit of a tangent. But that's those are my thoughts on where I think Mario games need to be going. And if, if it's going to be the open world thing, I think that Bowser's Fury, again, haven't played too much of it yet, but from what I've played, seems like a step in the right direction. So do you feel like Super Mario 3D World does that well? Because I, I I'm do. just... I'm pretty early on, but I like what are the what are the little collectibles? I don't know. Uh they whatever are, they are. What are they called? I don't remember. The little giblets. Uh they're green. Collect. They're green star. Are they just green stars? I think they're green stars, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think um, so. But I I like went into uh I mean again, I'm early on, but I like went into like a mini boss and it was like, oh, it's a big football player, and then I jumped on his head twice and worded a star out. Yeah. So I was like cool i mean yeah that I, like that's a miss right that's that's not an example of what i'm talking about but i do think overall 3d world does a better job of sticking to that formula and like aside from the like boss fights i think yeah they're they're not great i don't think mario mario boss fights have never been the best boss fights out there i don't think um but um level wise i think Mario 3D World is very, very good. I don't think it's the best in the series, but it's very, very good. I'm definitely excited 
to push forward in it and, and finish Bowser's Fury. Yeah. Any other thoughts yeah. on on that stuff? I mean, I think the only thing I would say about 3D World is um, I'm glad that both 3D World and Odyssey are in one system. Uh, can be you know you can play both games on that one system uh, because I think wherever you find yourself on on the spectrum of the debate, it's just good to have those two di very different type of Mario games um, available. I think one of the reasons a lot of people didn't take to 3D World um, as much as other games is that, and this is something I very kind of distinctly remember when they like revealed it at E3, it was like uh, this is it. It's like kind of like a pseudo 3d mario game that's it's 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 like a sequel through the 3d land except on a on a console that doesn't do the 3d thing that the that the nintendo yeah. ds um and if it, it felt uh and it's not an ambitious uh, unambitious it's actually very clever in its design and i think it's it's i consider it like a very in a way a very academic game because it's kind of like nintendo um just really showcasing its level design muscles like it's almost like yeah. it's a good teacher to, to other game developers it's like this is how you make a 3d platform yeah but just the way like it the, the presentation of it and everything compared to something like galaxy or something like odyssey that's just so maximalistic and big with big music big scores big moments this felt like just toned down and just more straight to the point it's just here's mario um, and I think that turned people off. So now that you have this game and you have Odyssey, like just you got you got both. So There's enjoy nothing them, to complain you know? about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And I think I mean audio uh, audio Odyssey is a good game. I I I've got my complaints about it, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a Nintendo game. It's still great. It's it's got all the polish that you would expect from Nintendo. Um so yeah, I I just yeah, I've got gripes, but it's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Um, Gus, you've also been playing Yakuza like a dragon. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Because that's, about... that's a game I've, I've been quite interested in. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm going to be fairly brief on it because I believe I'm about, I want to say, four hours in. I, mean, I, I finished Chapter 2 on, on this uh, so far. Um, so Yakuza like a dragon is the most recent installment of a pretty long-going um, series, Yakuza. I believe this is Yakuza 8? 7 or 8? Yeah, um, they just right. actually yeah. they just didn't give it like the actual number this time around. And then there was um, also Judgment, which I guess is like a side, mm -hmm. kind of a side story. Okay. Yeah, Judgment was more of a side story where you played like a detective. Um, Wasn't there a Yakuza 0? There was a Yakuza 0, which is like the prequel. <laughs> I think that's one of, considered one of the better ones, too. Um, oh, wow. But all the previous Yakuza games, including Judgments, were really more of like beat em ups. Um, you you would kind of run into some thugs, and and really you would fight them just like you would in a regular. You know, you press beat a punch, um, real time, etc. Type of beat em up game. So you can use the environment, grab some chairs, hit them with that. Um, this is a turn based RPG, uh, which I, from what I understand. They when they first unveiled um Yakuza like a dragon, they like put it out like, oh yeah, this is like a turn-based RPG, but it was supposed to be a joke. Um, and then they just decided to make that game like People after like a, they're like, fuck yeah. yeah, it's just what we've always wanted. 
so okay. they they decided to go that route um so far my experience with the turn-based combat is that it's decent um again i'm very early on i'm sure that it expands uh, it reminds me a little bit of paper mario in the sense that it adds other kind of like oh you you picked a special move now press x a bunch of times so you can you can uh, land a bigger damage um and if they're about to hit you press b so you can do a perfect guard at the right time and take less damage and stuff like that so kind of like these qtes type of thing just to add a little bit more of a dynamic element to it uh it's fine i'm i'm, I'm gonna give it more more time i think it's too early for me to to overall judge the battle system just yet um what i do want to talk about a little bit more is the story um specifically because when you hear about yakuza games you're probably going to hear a lot about how goofy and over the top it is um and then there's just absurd elements of uh, like a, a bunch of comedic elements and this game i believe has that and it has shown some of that so far in my early time with it but for the most part this story has actually been quite sad um and with with a, a lot of really tragic elements and twist to it um very serious about it too like it, it takes its its protagonist serious talks about loss how people deal with loss um the past um how people can be raised by a community and not necessarily by their own family um i think if you've heard some talk about this game the main thing people will praise about this game is ichiban the the main character um and even in this early time i can see why uh, he reminds me a little bit of Naruto, which I know is probably not like it's not going to be like the the best example, perhaps, or a lot of people are going to be like Naruto, like you know him. But okay, that's interesting because I've also heard him compared to Luffy. Yeah, like he is that a little okay. bit of a trope, like like kind of like okay. a very a stubborn, funny, but also dedicated and loyal. Um, there's a section early on, and, and this section, I think it's early enough not to be, and I'm not going to go into detail, but it he does something that uh, basically sets up the entire story where you're like, ah, oh, this guy's a real ride or die motherfucker. Like, he's oh, he's wow. loyal to the bone. Um, like, he's such a good guy. You, you just like Ichiban. Like, this is a somebody you would want to have in, in your group of friends, you know, because you know he's always going to have your back. Um, and he's funny, um, and and the writing is also really good. Uh, the game also looks great. Um, this Again, I'm, I'm playing this on my Xbox Series X. Uh, Komaruchu, I believe, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that, is the city where this game is based on. And at night, it looks fantastic. Like, the, the way it uses reflections, I don't know if this game is using ray tracing, but there's elements of that where in the puddles, you see, like, the reflections of the of the signs, like the neon signs, and it looks beautiful. Um, but I do just want to stress that if you're looking... Well, two things I want to stress. If you're looking for just, like, outlandish story, like, crazy funny moments right off the bat... Um, curb your enthusiasm because this game actually has some very serious moments and also it's taking its time with its story it's it 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 uh, i don't yeah I, I would say it's a slow game it, it's so a, it's, it's a, a jrpg ah. yes like it's really <laughs> it's really inspired by those jrpgs so it, it takes its time um the only difference compared to most jrpgs is that you know this isn't going to be a story where the fate of the universe depends on you like this is a very personal story, um, a very personal character arc that has to be completed, um, and it's been really good. I, I, I've been again. I've never played any of the previous Yakuza games, so I'm not going through that shock of this 
oh, this is a JRPG now? That That's weird. This is my first foray into the series, but I've been enjoying it so far. And I'll keep playing. I'll probably come back to it next month when I, hopefully I get maybe 30, 40 more hours into it. And I'm sorry, did you say it's on Game Pass? No. So there's oh, a lot of Yakuza. Game. Yeah, there's a lot of Yakuza games that are on Game Pass. I get the feeling it will be at some point. Um, okay. But I... But um, it was on sale for forty one ninety nine, and um, okay. I bought it then. But I, I get the feeling it'll be on Game Pass in a couple of months. Cool, awesome. So I've played a few games since our last episode that I just really want to touch on, not go too in depth with, but uh, some some cool things that I wanted to highlight. So uh, I've been playing a game called Cyber Shadow. It is a very retro inspired. Uh, it's i mean it's ninja gaiden it's these are people who love ninja gaiden um the original one two and three on nes um and decided let's make the modern what what would ninja gaiden look like in 2020 2021 if uh all the advancements in design had been made without the technical advancements of graphics and sound um it's good i like it a lot um it handles uh player death very well it just sends you back to the checkpoint so a popular topic of conversation amongst this group is uh how the checkpointing is in the game and i can i can say that the checkpointing is very very good in this game um especially for a game that is based on ninja gaiden which is kind of notoriously punishing in its um fail state um it's published by Yacht Club, Yacht Club Game, who developed and published Shovel Knight, and it it feels very similar. It's not developed by them. It's I forget the name of the developer. Um, it's a different group of devs, but it definitely ha- it's it's definitely at home being published alongside Shovel Knight, um, in the sense that it's it's a very good. Uh, uh, it does a very good job of bringing that retro 80s 8-bit aesthetic into uh, the modern, modern, what we think of today as modern video games. Um, it's not perfect. There are things that I think it could improve on. Um, some just weird things. Some of the some of the ways in which the player interacts with things are just. It's I don't know. It's I'll give you an example. There are bodies of like fallen soldiers that you interact with and I, I guess you're kind of talking with the spirit of that uh it's like like cyber bodies robot bodies um and sometimes they give you a power up but sometimes they it's just like lore flavor text um but it's and I don't know if there's something that I'm missing because it felt like there were there would be times where I got a power up from them and then the next time through, I didn't get that power up. I'm not sure why that was. And it didn't, see, I, I couldn't find anything in the menus to explain what was going on. Um, so I think just some of the conveyance of, of what powers you have and how you get those powers is not really handled very well. Um, and maybe there, again, maybe there's something I'm missing there. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm having fun with it. If you're, if you're looking for a, 2D platformer in the vein of Ninja Gaiden. Uh, it's it's it'll be right up your alley. Um, 
How's the difficulty? It's, it's, it's tough. It's you. I, so I find myself repeating sections, um, but it definitely has the thing where you, you kind of learn the, the section as you go and you get further and further along until you hit a checkpoint. And then that process starts over. Um, it is tough. It's, um, and I, I don't remember what difficulty I'm playing it on and I don't remember what the difficulty settings are. So I think that's something that you can change. I'm kind of making that assumption. Um, but, um, another cool thing that they do is when you get to a checkpoint, you can choose to spend the currency that you collect, um, from killing enemies. You can choose to spend that at the checkpoint to have it refill your special meter, which you can use for like stronger attacks and things like that. So if you're having trouble with a section, um, there are ways for you to be able to spend currency to maybe make it easier to get to the next checkpoint. Um, and that's an example of what I, what I was talking about earlier. I think it does a good job of recognizing the shortcomings of the NES era in terms of design and, and specifically in terms of designing for difficulty. Um, so yeah, it's, it's at, at face value, it is a tough game, but it does things to, uh, allow the player to make it easier on themselves. Um, so that's Cyber Shadow. Uh, oh, and I'm playing it on Switch. Okay. Um, I've also been playing, or I, I was playing a game called Loop Hero during the Steam Game Festival, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, the Steam Game Festival Festival was an event that happened uh, earlier this month um, where devs put out demos for their games. And um, basically, it's a weekend of just everybody playing all these demos. Um, I think it's a fantastic event. Um, if you guys have never um, checked it out, I highly recommend if you've got Steam, um, the next time, I think they do two a year, or they're, they're, they're going to start doing, I believe, two a year. I think the last one was in the fall or maybe late summer of 2020. Um, and so th there are a couple games that I played from that. The first is called Loop Hero. And Loop Hero looks like a like 1994 DOS game, um, but it's it's got really really unique gameplay. So in Loop Hero, you um, you you play as a warrior, uh, a character, an adventurer who is the only remaining entity after a kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, manifestation of death has consumed everything. And the, as the game progresses, you walk along a loop, a path that goes in a loop. And it's, it's all tile-based. So you walk along this path and you encounter monsters. As you fight monsters and defeat them, you gain new equipment, which you can use to make your character stronger. But you, and kind of what makes the game really unique and cool is you also gain um, tiles. Or they're kind of like cards that translate to tiles that you can place on the map that will cause various effects. Um, usually they're things like if you put this next to the road, the, the, that tile of road next to it will now spawn a certain type of enemy. 
And when you get into battles, you don't control anything. It's kind of an auto battler in that way, in that you you're, you're, all you can do is pause time and resume time and place tiles down and change your equipment. You're not actually controlling your character in battle. Um, so the, the strategy then is placing tiles, and it becomes a risk-reward assessment of do I want to put all these tiles down and make it very difficult for my hero to get back to the to the loop, um, back to the campfire. So every time you complete a loop, you heal a little bit, and um, and and various other effects can happen based on the tiles that you've played. Um, and it, like I said, it becomes this risk reward of do I want to put all these monsters down and risk dying with the with the potential of defeating them all and getting a bunch of better loot. Or do I want to play it safe mm. and try and make it to the next one? And maybe I'll be strong enough to, to place all of these later on. Um, Interesting. But the clock is always ticking. And once you reach a certain number of loops, the final boss appears. And, oh, and it's run-based. <laughs> Goodness mm -hmm. gracious. This, this game is a, a mouthful. Is it, it's run-based. It, are so, they randomly generated or are they... The loop itself is randomly generated. Yeah, a lot of what's going on is is random, okay. um, and so when when this I forget the I don't know if they they give this character a name, but he it's it's like a skeleton looking dude with a scythe. So I'm just gonna say it's Death. I don't really remember if he has a name, but when he appears, you either defeat him or you don't. Um, in the I I I really got hooked on this game during that weekend that uh, the Steam Steam Game Festival was going on. In that time that I was playing it, I didn't defeat him once. I got close one time, um, but I never beat him. So I don't know what happens if you do end up defeating. I'm assuming that it ends the run, but I, I again, I, I, I don't know. So, um, but this game is, I, I fucking love it. I, this game was so fun. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm definitely going to pick it up when it comes out. What are the um, parameters of the festival? Like, was this designed in a certain time frame in order to be feasible? I think it has to be a game. So, I first of all, I think you have to go through uh, an approval process with Steam, with Valve. But also, it's only games that have not yet been released. So, um, it's a look at upcoming games. It didn't really seem like it focused on indies because I do think there were there might have been some AAA stuff, or it might have been indie focused actually. Now that I think of it, um, but anyway, yeah, Loop Hero again. I can't wait. Uh, and for the demo, the only character class that was unlocked was the like fighter. I think that they call it fighter or warrior. Um, but I could see that the next one that I would have been able to unlock if it weren't the demo was the rogue class. So I'm excited to see how choosing a different class affects what happens in the game, considering the fact that you don't choose any actions for your character, that you just let them go. Um, so it's really cool. It's a really, really unique, it's got really unique gameplay that I've never seen before. I like that and developers are taking this this whole deck building concept and throwing it into just other games. <laughs> yeah. And and it's, it really takes the mechanics to another level because every... A lot of gamers, well, a lot of people kind of intuitively understand the concept of, okay, deck building, a random draw yeah. of cards, this is your hand or whatever. But uh, we've been playing MTG since like 1996. So exactly. So, so it's, it's sort of intuitive, but they, I feel like it can add a lot of 
flavor uh, not flavor maybe not the right word just mechanical complexity and it's not even like complexity that's sort of how do I, it, it's emergent complexity it's not complexity yeah. that's sort of baked in i guess yeah and you can uh, maybe you come that, up it's with... like that design thing where you're you're not sure you're like whoa this combo was this like the developers Intended. know i would do something right like that. yeah 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 so loop here is cool the the aesthetic is very cool it looks like like second edition D D, like very gritty and and just kind of grim um gus you had a question yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, it looks like it comes out soon, right? I'm looking at the release date mm -hmm. of March the 4th. Yeah, right around the corner. So I've been looking forward to that. Um, I guess I'll give a, a bigger report on it during our March episode. Um, the other game, and this one is a huge one for me, Windjammers 2 had a playable demo again. So this is the second time that Windjammers 2 has been playable um, during this uh, Steam game festival. It was also playable at the last one. Um, I fucking love when, uh, I, the only reason I stopped playing loop loop hero was because I got absolutely sucked in to online wind jammers two matches. Um, and I basically, that's all I did for the rest of that weekend. Um, so wind jammers is a, it's a one V one very much in the spirit of fighting games. It's played at a competitive level. There are often side tournaments of this game, of, of the first Windjammers at fighting game tournaments. Um, it is a 1v1 frisbee throwing, almost like air hockey or pong is a good analog to it. Um, you're trying to get the frisbee across the, the playing field past the opponent and into their goal. And there are different uh, delineations of point values depending on where you land it on the other side. But generally speaking, you're trying to get the Frisbee to the other side. Um, and there are super moves. There are different characters with different movement speeds and throw like power to their throws. Um, it uses somewhat fighting game motion controls. So like if you do a Hadouken you know, fireball motion, quarter circle forward, you can curve the Frisbee. Um, it's It's fantastic it's so 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 fucking fun um i highly recommend you check it out if you haven't if you're if you are even remotely uh interested in fighting games or competitive games of any kind um please check out windjammers it sounds like i'm fucking like i made the game i just love it that's all <laughs> did you play the original one i have played the original yeah um i didn't i didn't play it in its heyday it was a neo geo game like from the 90s um i didn't get into it until i kind of uh went down a youtube rabbit hole of competitive wind jammers one one night and uh that's what got me hooked on the original the original is out on basically everything i'm pretty sure it's on at least ps4 and switch probably steam i don't know about if it's on xbox but um yeah um so i'm i'm very much looking for now it doesn't have a release date so I have no idea when it'll actually be playable again. Um, but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Windjammers 2. Um, so that was the Steam Game Festival. There were some other stuff that I checked out too very, very briefly, but that's kind of the beauty of the Steam Game Festival is that you just get this smattering of stuff that's coming out. And uh, it's it's just a cool way for them to to kind of blitz everybody with one event where 
it gets you in the mood to just check out a bunch of stuff very briefly. I think if they if they had spread all of these demos out across a month or so, it uh, you would be less inclined to check them out. But when you're looking through all the games on the Steam uh, Game Festival list, it's like, oh yeah, I'll check that one out. Oh yeah, I'll check that one out. And, you're, and eventually, you're just installing, you know, five or six demos to just try out when you get when you get a chance. So it's cool. Um, I'm again, I'm I'm stoked for um, the future of that. I, I hope it becomes one of the things that steam that or that valve does um you know once or twice a year um sounds great another game that i played uh is called blue fire i saw a streamer playing this game and it looked fantastic um and then i got my hands on it and was not as impressed as i was by just looking at it. it it is a 3d platformer with some it seems like it's a little bit Zelda inspired, but visually also very much Hollow Knight inspired. But it's a 3D action platformer. Um, it looks so cool. <laughs> um, it's an indie game. You're a, you're a little guy who's running around, jumping on platforms, swinging a sword at evil creatures. Um, and it looks like it could be a Zelda game, right? It, yeah, it's it it and even the structurally it it shares a lot with with zelda um in terms of like dungeon layout and exploration and that sort of thing puzzles um but it also has um 3d platforming um jumping dash jumping double jumping that sort of thing yeah it looks a little snappier than a zelda game yeah it wants you to think it is <laughs> um it's i i'm i may be being a little bit harsh on it because I I did at, at when I was looking at it I was like oh wow this this looks like a game that feels very good to play and then I got my hands on it and it it just felt kind of mushy um the it, judging the distance of the dash is really weird um there's there's uh there's a ledge grab mechanic that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't um kind of unpredictably uh i put it down after a hour or two with it um but i just wanted to kind of mention it as something that i had my hands on this month yeah that's a shame the art style looks pretty cool yeah it's 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 very moody it's very uh there are there's um kind of a glow to it um it's it really reminds me of like hollow knight in its atmosphere and mood um, I don't know if you guys would agree on that one, but um... a little bit. I think I, like I started a video and it was just like this long platforming section. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Daniel? This doesn't look anything like a Zelda game. But now I'm getting to vid footage where the combat definitely seems seems Zelda inspired. Yeah. And there, I got to a point where you're literally exploring like a dungeon layout and it has those platforming sections in it. Um so it, it's almost like it, they didn't really know what direction they wanted to go in, or they, they were trying to do too many things at once. Um, I don't think it's terrible, but it wasn't. It didn't do enough for me that I felt like I wanted to stick with it. Um, so that's Blue Fire. I was playing that on the Switch. Um, I think it's also on Steam, and it might run a little bit better on this on Steam. I, it it ran okay on Switch, uh, from what I remember, but. Um, performance wise um but the the gameplay itself just felt a little bit clunky 
Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, I've been knee deep in some fighting games. Street Fighter V, uh, just today actually, put out a really big update. They, they released one new character, Dan Hibiki, is now in Street Fighter V, which is cool. Dan has been in Street Fighter games since the Alpha series. He's a joke character. He's a parody of Ryo from SNK games. Um, and But actually, it's funny because it seems like he's actually a very good, viable character in this version, or in this iteration, um, uh, which essentially, I'll, I'll try to very quickly explain what this is. It is almost like a parry. It's It's a... A command that you input that makes your character very briefly invulnerable to everything, to projectiles, strikes. If you get hit with a strike during this period, you can counterattack. Um, if you get hit with a grab, you the grab won't connect. You'll escape the grab, but you don't get the counterattack opportunity. Um, but this, I mean, already I'm seeing. I, I haven't even had a chance to use this yet to to give it a shot. Um, but while I was at work, I was checking Twitter every now and then, and people are already putting crazy footage on Twitter of what this new mechanic opens up in terms of um, possibilities for matches. So I'm very excited to see where it takes the game. Um, the tournament scene has been weird in the fighting game community because of COVID, um, and Street yeah. Fighter V kind of notoriously does not have great netcode. It's not awful. Um, but it's not great. So the the tournament scene has been kind of up in the air. So I'm looking for, I, I, I hope to God that we can see this played at a local tournament before street, before the end of the street fighter five life cycle. Um, I hope that tournaments come back so we can see what people figure out with this new. Um, the other game I've been playing is the guilty gear strive beta. Um, they extended the beta. So actually right after we finished recording this i'm probably going to dive into that because the beta was supposed to end it started started on friday for people who pre-ordered the game it was supposed to end on sunday morning but they were having server issues so they extended it which i think is great they extended the beta period to tomorrow um this is the latest entry in the guilty gear series a fighting game series from that started out in the late 90s mid 90s um very heavy metal inspired um, fighting game series. And this is my favorite one of them yet. I love it. Um, it's got a new character named Nagori Yuki, who is a kind of cyber samurai who has one of the best fighting game, um, I guess, mechanics, I, um, just designs of, of, of a gameplay style where the more you use special moves, the more a blood meter fills up. And if it fills up all the way, you go into a blood rage, you start doing more damage, and it unlocks a very, very powerful super move, but you start taking damage. Your, your life bar just starts going down, diminishing. Um, I've loved every minute that I've spent playing this game. That, that is to say when I'm actually playing the game. The lobby system is absolute dog shit. It is, it is unfathomable to me how bad. It's like they sat there and thought of every way that they could to make this lobby system as shitty as possible. Um, 
You don't get to, there are no custom lobbies. You can't just start a lobby and have people join you. You have to go into one of the lobbies that the game has set up for you and then meet up with people. But the problem is, let's say we meet up and I tell you, okay, I'm in, I forget the exact names of the lobbies, but if I tell you I'm in West Coast lobby number four and you show up in West Coast lobby number four, there's no guarantee that we can even see each other. And I don't know if that's just the way, yeah, I don't know if that's a glitch or if that was, if there's some, like I said, I don't know. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, the game will, you can sit and wait in training mode and wait for it to match you up with somebody. But a few times during that, I would, it would tell me that it was matching me up, up with somebody. And then it would drop me in that fucking lobby. It was so frustrating. Um, Does it have a release date? Yes, March. It's oh, oh, it's it's April something, April 9th, maybe. So they don't have a huge amount of time to. No, no. I mean, this is something that cannot be. This this will not at least in this version, the launch version of the game, this will not be fixed. Um, okay. And Arc System Works has has done these shitty lobbies, this shitty lobby system in the past, which is why I say it's it's. It's crazy that they managed to make it even worse. This is something that Arxis players have complained about through Guilty Gear Exerd, through Dragon Ball Fighters, um, through uh, what's that other one? Grand Blue Fantasy Versus has the same stupid system, um, or or a similar lobby system, and now this one, and they managed to make it the worst possible one yet. All that yeah. being said the actual gameplay when you're actually sitting there fighting is incredible. I love it. I can't wait to get good at it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, that's kind of everything that I've been playing, everything that I wanted to touch on here. Um, so that was good. with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the news here. Um, we'll, we'll go down some of these real quick. I just want to touch on some stuff and then, um, couple kind of bigger topics that I'll push to the end. Uh, Google shut down their internal Google Stadia Studios um, development studio. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if they had even announced anything that they had been working on. Um, do you guys know? What, did they? Was there ever anything announced from Google internal? Not that I'm aware Other than of. the Stadia platform the stadia itself yeah i, I don't think but they I don't had like there like there are no and will be no first party google game if i'm understanding this correctly um and i think i mean really the the point that i want to kind of get to here with this is i don't know why google is still pushing stadia do you guys have any thoughts on this because it's this this seems like it's if they're still, already yeah, you can still pay for it and get it <laughs> oh sure yeah they're, they're still putting it out in bundles um yeah i mean google has a lot of money too so they can kind of yeah you know uh, make sure maybe that it's these not projects, it's not that risky yeah like if maybe this is a um, small risk kind of project for them with that said i think this is a prelude of things to come i don't think stadia uh, google is notorious of starting services and then shutting them down 
you know, a year or a couple of years into it. Um, Tell me about it. (laughs) R.I.P. music. Jesus Christ. Like, well-received services, too. And Stadia, you know, they had a rocky start. I I don't know what the status of it is right now. Uh, But then also Microsoft is giving them strong competition with xCloud. So, I don't know. And Amazon just just launched uh, Luna, which is kind of a similar thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential in streaming. Not yet. Like, I think we're still about maybe two, three, maybe more years away from from it being more viable. But, uh, you know, I I just don't see Google sticking with this in the long term. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, whatever. (laughs) I I don't think anybody was really on board with it. You don't see any Stadia diehards. So I don't think this is really going to affect things one way or another. Um, we'll we'll just touch on some of these more. I already talked about the Steam Game Festival. Please go check that out next time it comes around. Um, if I catch wind of when the next one is going to be, I'll let you all know in a future edition of this podcast episode of this podcast. Um, let's talk about Mass Effect. Mass Effect Legendary Legendary Edition was yep. announced. This is something that people have been asking for for years. Um, this is going to be the first time that Mass Effect games, I think, right, are available on even previous gen. There, did they ever do like a? I think like not, not a not they, a remaster, but did they put those games on the PS4 and the Xbox One? I think. Oh shoot, no. Well, I think they were just they were the previous gen, where they like, were like the PS3, um, Xbox. Uh, 360 versions that you could play like i know i know on xbox it's on game pass and you would just get the xbox 360 version of the mass effect games so probably Uh, no upgrades are these remakes or are they just reskins they remasters right uh, yeah remasters they're not full-on remakes but but it seems like they're doing they're putting in a lot of work to uh make these look as good as possible without completely redoing everything um and they haven't shown off a whole lot yet this was just announced this past month obviously so still a ways off uh i guess what there is something about the wait doesn't it come out in may oh fucking really <laughs> can <you> check that <laughs> hold on let me confirm oh. that before we so just, just to clarify i don't know if you ever actually said what it was this is a remake of mass effect one through three with all of the dlc except for some of the DLC, which really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. That they do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, isn't there a whole thing? Like, it was one where they couldn't retrieve it anymore. Like they oh they actually God, lost the um, but the code Mass for Effect it. Mass Effect was legendary yeah. for. Well, that uh, sorry, not trying to be a pun, but Mass Effect was legendary for having DLC that was you could get the Mass Effect trilogy for like three dollars, like all three games all the dlc but then you'd have to pay like 40 bucks for like three dlc missions that never went on sale (laughs) it would just drive everybody crazy it was very so i I just want to confirm uh yeah the uh, release date is may 14th oh wow wow okay this might be a day one purchase for me because i these games were uh, these games were some of my favorite uh you know when they came out and Mm -hmm. after and and you know, going back and playing Mass Effect One again, which I I did recently, definitely show, shows its age pretty significantly. Um, even with you know, I played it on PC with, with mods and everything. It's definitely an older game, so I'm excited to see what what this uh, comes out. But I, I I'm a little I'm a little worried that it won't be anything 
that it'll be basically just skin because I don't know how how well the mechanics in the first game really hold up or, or even I don't know the second game but so I'm wondering if they're going to show their age or if they're going to really really put in the work to the shine and if they are I mean those are humongous games I just I mean they're going to sell all three for 60 bucks I mean it just seems I don't know it, it almost seems like too much for them to put the amount of work that i hope that they're gonna put it if that that makes sense from what i see here like in terms of uh, what you're referring to daniel like actually changing the mechanics i think the only one that's really gonna get that much work is the original mass effect from what i'm reading here they're gonna improve the cover improve inputs and controls Um, so basically kind of add some of the additions that they made from mass effect 2 and implement that in mass effect 1 but i don't think the other ones are gonna i i Help me out with this because I'm not too familiar with Mass Effect. I've never really, I I've booted it up on PC a couple times, but I never really sunk my teeth into it. I heard talk on Twitter about some change that they were making to the vehicle that you drive around in. Did you did you guys see this or? Yeah, the the Miko, I believe that's kind of like a notorious yeah. thing about the original Mass Effect that it was like this. Um, it, you drive like this very large kind of tankish vehicle, and the mm-hmm. controls were super um, not great. Uh, like it wasn't very intuitive, <laughs> and it was super okay. slow. Um, I believe also when it and this is you know when it came out on its original platform, it was also very slow and sluggish during those. Uh, so it's kind of an infamous. They got rid of that, I believe, in Mass Effect Two, um, at least the okay. way. Uh, so people are like, well, bring bring that back, but really fix fix it entirely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, I, for me personally, I don't know if that's something that I'm really super interested in. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, there are people out there who have N7 tattoos and shit. So if you want to get an idea of how annoying the, the Baco was, imagine the Warthog from Halo, but like much harder to control. Yeah. Like your controller is broken. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I think I said Miko, but yeah, Mako is the name of the Mako. Okay. The device or the vehicle. So anyway, what I was saying is, I think if if this is for you, you are you knew about this before it was announced, you know. And if it's not, then you know, whatever. But but it's cool. I'm I'm happy that it's there for the people that want it. Um, like I said, there. This is a game, a series that has uh has had a large following, and I think those people were very let down with Andromeda. And so hopefully this is something that, um, that Bioware can uh, actually is Bioware doing this. Do we, do you guys know who's handling the, the remake? This is um, all shit I should have on hand, but yeah, no, it's it. I, I'm reading here. It's being developed by Bioware with assistance from abstraction games and blind squirrel games, which I've never heard of, but maybe they assist with remasters or remastering but... it. Okay. Yeah, some of it is in house with Bioware, and also they announced the sequel to like another Mass Effect a sequel, new, right? That's yeah, a, a new actual. Yeah. yeah. So, so and, and that's kind of what I th- why I bring it up is I feel like this might be like a hey, remember when Mass Effect was really good? You guys like Mass Effect, right? You know, kind of yeah. thing. The um, rehabilitation so the- of Bioware. Mass Effect One had legendarily shitty checkpoints. Oh, let's hope that they. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Mako levels in particular. We should have a we should have a segment in this podcast called the checkpoint checkpoint where we just talk about how the checkpointing is. <laughs> All right. Anyways, it's bad. Um. <laughs> uh. Okay. 
we got to talk about GameStop. We got to talk about the stonks. And somebody please explain to me in detail, how does the stock market work? Oh, boy. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very uh, loaded question you're, you're asking. Um, I mean, I really low, sell high. Yeah. The opposite. When I buy stock, what am I really buying? You're buying an idea. You're buying uh, <laughs> a feeling. Uh, yeah, a state of mind. That, <laughs> and this state of mind is going to go straight to the moon, baby. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, we did actually cover this in one of our friendly reminder episodes. If people want to check that out, it's called yeah. Sir, This is a GameStop. Um, but essentially, uh, you know, this, this, the GameStop situation or their stock was spurred by um, a large number of retail investors, investors largely gathering in uh, forums like Reddit, uh, using um, services like Robinhood, which is a free service with, where, where you can day trade, including buying stock and doing option buying options and all kind of other things. And, you know, all those day traders buying the stock temporarily made the stock just go straight uh, to the moon, as they say, like it, it grew about 300%. I, I don't know, Daniel, do you recall like its peak, uh, like 300 something uh, is where it kind of, yeah, it was like 300 something. It definitely, it had been climbing for a while, sort of slowly. And then when I think it hit the mainstream, a lot of people were like, oh, this GameStop thing is blowing up. So it really popped after it, it a lot of people did stories about it. It flew up to 300. And then unfortunately, a lot of people bought at 300 and then it yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. went well, down. Well, we didn't cover, yeah. Well, we didn't cover in our friendly reminder episode because it hadn't happened at that time, is that the stock tanked soon after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which um, is was inevitable in a certain sense, because whatever goes up uh must come down. Must come or down. or in, in sorry, that's that's a little glib, but I mean uh the stock was not there was no that you know, to the as fake as you think the stock market is. Clearly, GameStop stock was not valued at like three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was just a bubble. But yeah, that was the that was the main situation with with the GameStop stock, and you had a lot of people on Wall Street bets basically being like saying, "Well, I know I, I'm not trying to push the stock. I'm just trying to. Uh, I like the stock. <laughs> I just like <laughs> it a lot because it's GameStop, yeah. and I love GameStop. And um, the other sort of saga." of this i don't know if you want to describe the short selling part of it but there was there was a way in which the purchasing and the price increases in this gamestop stock would hurt hedge funds hedge funds who yeah. had bet that the stock price would go down using basically process called shorting the stock so one of the things that these uh gamestop purchasers wanted to do was well you know many of them wanted to make money but many of them also wanted to kind of put the screws to this Wall Street uh, hedge fund for betting, you know, basically that GameStop would. And so that was part of the excitement of the, the game stonk situation. Um, but, you know, I know, I think the story now, I mean, it has to be that you should. A lot of stories have come out since that, you know, the GameStop became the story. And a lot of people were like, Hey, maybe not understanding the full situation. We're like, this GameStop stock is really expensive, so it must be great. And so they bought it, and then the market collapsed. And you know, the whatever two thousand dollars of GameStop stock you bought is now worth one hundred and fifty. And what you've been saving that money for three years, uh, oops. Uh, 
and you live in the middle of Texas and your you your pipes burst and you yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it must be said uh, we're not financial advisors but you know day trading is a very risky thing um it, it is it indistinguishable be, from gambling yeah it's basically gambling um make sure you know if you're gonna do it just please please do not use money you actually need okay because if there's no guarantee it's going to be there and who knows where you might find yourself so just be very careful good good advice not legally binding just not a know. financial advisor yeah um so real quick i'll also talk about so uh valve uh you remember the steam controller everybody remember the steam controller yeah, it's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, um, a lot of people liked it, but I could never get into it. People said that the the best way to use it was like to play Civ on your if you wanted yeah. to kick back and play a game that needed a mouse, <laughs> that the Steam controller would allow you to do that. And apart from that, it didn't really have much other value. Uh, I own one. I've never used it. I plugged it in, tried it out. Uh, one of the things that sucks about it is it runs on AA batteries, so just that in itself is a reason to just kind of never play it again, never use it again. Um, but it, yeah, it was weird. It has one analog stick. Uh, it's just it, to to put that controller out when they did, which I think was like maybe like 2012, 2013. I'd have to go back and look when that thing came out. Um, anyway. Uh, they got sued in a patent infringement case by a company that makes like third, just a third party peripheral company. I got, yeah, I didn't, I, I think I own two of them just because at a certain point they were on sale for like a dollar or something, <laughs> or, or you got like a free one with like a purchase of like yeah. a $5 game. They were just trying to get rid of them. I think, yeah, I think I, they were bundling them with the steam link as well for a while. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, the, the, non joystick pad was like super mushy and not very usable in my opinion was never really sure whether it was supposed to be like a touch thing or it never really felt good um i will say that the rear buttons uh they felt pretty good on the controller they were kind of mm. they were kind of weird but i i did they felt nice and i don't remember them ever being very useful but in terms of just how they felt Okay. Did you figure out the company that? I, yeah. Them? So it's they're, they're subsidiaries of Corsair. So it's Scuf S C U F okay. and Ironberg Inventions. Yeah. Um, and they make custom, quote unquote, high performance video game controllers. Um, and I guess they. It seems like maybe they're also just patent trolls because they hold 105 patents for trigger design mechanism or trigger mechanism designs, uh, etc. So anyway, Valve had to pay $4 million to this SCUF uh, subsidiary of Corsair. Um, so whatever. That's funny, but that actually does not even, does not sound like a, too much money. So I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if the yeah. patent yeah. wasn't very strong. But that's, that's what these trolls kind of do. They just kind of do, Yeah, they're like, oh, we can make, you know, whatever this amount of money. It's not a strong case, but we'll get paid to go whatever. Right, yeah just settle and be done with it real real um, efficient system yeah oh yeah <laughs> real real uh does what it was originally intended for absolutely last thing i want to go over here and then we'll get into some kind of more juicy stuff we've been talking about bioware a little bit with the mass effect legendary uh 
Is that what it is? Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Um, mm -hmm. So the other kind of clusterfuck uh, in recent Bioware memory is Anthem. And uh, Anthem is a game that, when, when did Anthem come out? Was it 2019 or 2018? It was supposed to be like the, the hottest thing. It was, it was like supposed to be the new, like, like the new Destiny game you or... play forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, well, just to give some context, like Bioware came out with Mass Effect Andromeda, which was a huge bust. Um, and then they, um, throughout that time, they unveiled Anthem. And a lot of people felt like, oh, this, this is A-Team Bioware. This is what they've been yeah. working on. Like Andromeda was just like their side project. Like this, Bio, Bioware is back, baby. And then it, this it is came the out. real next Bioware game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it came out and it was like maybe even a bigger disaster than yeah. Andromeda. Um, it came out in January 2019. So almost two years or more than oh, two wow. years now. Yeah, okay. So um, sometime last year, and again, time is just a, weird mush of of fast and slow um in the post covid or, or covid era um i don't even want to say post because i feel like we're still in it um even though i'm vaccinated baby um sometime i think in the past year or so uh ea and bioware came out and said anthem is not canceled uh anthem is is still something that we want to at least see if we can work on it and get it to a state in which it will be um, playable. And as far as I know, let me see if there's any updates on this, because what I put in the, in the doc was that EA in the past couple weeks had officially made a decision on whether it was going to continue working and, and, and try to relaunch or reboot Anthem uh, similar to, if you guys remember Final Fantasy XIV Online, how that game basically at launch was a disaster. Uh, people yeah. were upset with it. It didn't work. It was kind of a, a clusterfuck. And then they relaunched it as A Realm Reborn, Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. And it's now one of the most popular MMOs on the planet. Um, I think BioWare and EA were hoping for, or were, were yeah, hoping for and and looking at the uh, feasibility of doing that with Anthem. They have made that decision officially, according to Jason Schreier. Um, I don't think they've made their decision public, however. So we will have to wait and see what the fate is for Anthem. Uh, any Anthem fans that are listening... <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? No, I'm just what kidding. Is, is, so that's my question. Is this game playable currently? I'm a little confused. <laughs> like, how is, did they right? take it into like, hibernation I don't even, mode? Like, is it online? Could, could, you, could I download and play Anthem right now? I wonder. Anybody know? I don't. Anyway. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. So where I, did you see that? Did Jason Trier report that they... Because I see some tweets saying that Jason Trier says that bioware austin because they're dealing with the freeze in texas right now probably won't have a an answer but you you said you saw further reporting that maybe they had concluded on something so yeah as of february 8th jason schreier tweeted for the last year and a half bioware has been in incubation mode overhauling the maligned online game anthem 
This week, EA will review the progress of Anthem Next and decide whether to expand the team or put an end to the project. There was a Bloomberg article that I can't get to because it's behind a paywall, but um, it basically looks like, based on some of the replies to, the, to that tweet, which there are a thousand of, so I, I'm not going to go through all of it, but it seems like this was a decision that was going to be made, but not um, announced. But it also does look like the disaster in Texas uh, put a damper on these plans one way or the other. Whether they were planning on revealing their decision or not, I think the situation in Texas made it very difficult. Because, yeah, I think much of BioWare is located in Austin. So I'm sure they were affected by it. I got to say, this is like, this is actually really kind of sad to watch. <laughs> I felt like a once great developer. Yeah. We've been talking about Mass Effect and and how that yeah. series meant so much and, and how, you know, the Legendary Edition is going to be a day one purchase for me. And then the everything else they've released since Mass Effect has been kind of a punchline. Yeah. Even the sequel. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of a punch, and then this yeah. was uh, kind of bums me out. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is it? Well, do they have anything else at this point? Well, I mean, now they're making the true Mass Effect sequel, so yeah. I'm sure that's the real Bioware. Sure that, yeah, on that's, that one. Come on, so. it was just the B team working on Anthem, dude. <laughs> yeah, Andromeda was the C team. Anthem was the B team. Here comes the A team. Okay, just hold your butts. <laughs> hold on to your butts. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, it's dude. I mean, this is this has got to be a a what's the what's the word I'm looking for? A breaking point for uh for Bioware, right? If 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 well, and you know, whatever. We don't know anything about the new Mass Effect game, so we'll leave that out of the conversation. But even just like in terms of can they salvage Anthem? That's going to be such a big deal. EA is a company that does not take something like this lightly, right? They're, they're, EA is one of the most, uh, I don't know, cutthroat. Um, they're dollars and cents, they're... guys. <laughs> if this isn't going to make them money, yeah. they're just going to cut. Yeah, it. right. So, I, you know, BioWare, obviously, even going back further than Mass Effect, what they did with Baldur's Gate and with all of those D&D games, um, I mean, they Knights. revolutionized. So yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, and even Kotor too. Like I, I really love those games. The first one is honestly probably one of my favorite games of all time. I hold that very near and dear to my heart. I so, know it's aged terribly, probably. Don't go back to it. But when it came out, <laughs> it was a revolution. Yeah, there's there. You know, we need a Kotor remake. Maybe actually, um, I should probably be careful what I wish for. But yeah, but. Yeah, it sucks to see Bioware in the state that it's in today. Um, but that's that's how it, it sometimes it'd be like that. Um, so there are kind of two kind of bigger things I want to talk about. The what what we'll get to here in a little bit is this Warner Brothers thing. I do want to talk about that. Warner Brothers has patented the Nemesis system from the Mordor. It's called Mordor Shadow. No, shit. It's called Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor was the first one. And then the second one is called Middle-Earth Shadow of War, right? I think that's right? Yes, yes, um, that's we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. First, 
let's talk about this most recent Nintendo Direct. This is the first Direct since 2019. We were all looking forward to this moment. Finally, Metroid Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, Mario Odyssey 3. This was the <laughs> Nintendo Direct. They're skipping that the second one. It was getting, yeah, why even bother? No, um, I think Nintendo fans, if by now you don't keep your expectations in check when it comes to these new directs, you are hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. Um, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I was God about to say, it. it sounds like you're talking <laughs> I, to yourself. <laughs> I am talking to myself. I am always let down by these fucking things. Okay, let's run down what was announced at this Nintendo Direct. Um, if you don't, if you're not aware, Nintendo Direct is basically how Nintendo has uh, handled its PR for. It's kind of, I mean, way before COVID, it started doing Nintendo Directs. I don't remember when it exactly it started. It feels like in the middle of the 2010s was the first one, but it yeah. might have, it might actually go back even further than. That. Um, yeah, no, I think that at least 2015. They've been doing it for yeah, a while. Yeah. Um, but this is what they do now instead of kind of big E3 uh, E3 shows or anything like that. Obviously, E3 is not something that is probably going to happen this year. Maybe it will. I don't know. Have they said, actually? Do we know? Is E3 uh, happening? Yeah. So they come out, the ESA, I believe is what the, yeah, the organization uh -huh. have come out to say that they want to do a virtual event. So that's the plan. Okay. But they haven't announced publishers or anything on it. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know exactly what they have um, in store. Okay. So... Nintendo has, uh, for, for longer than we've been in the COVID era, Nintendo has uh, marched to the beat of their own drum when it comes to this stuff. They've been doing these Nintendo Directs. And I think, by and large, Nintendo Direct equals disappointment. <laughs> um, and sometimes you get a really fucking fantastic announcement. Um, as, a, as a quick aside, if you have never watched the... Nintendo Store New York reaction video to the Metroid Prime 4 announcement. Um, there's a kid in that video who I, I hope that someday I can be as happy as him. He is <laughs> so fucking happy when they announce Metroid Prime 4. Um, go watch that video on YouTube. Um, I mean, you will when you play Metroid Prime 4 in 2030. <laughs> yeah, on my deathbed, yeah. Um, yeah. I So... Yeah, my point is Nintendo Direct has a way of feeling like it's going to be that next big Nintendo announcement, and then it just it ends up being just a bunch of garbage, for lack of a better word. Um, I'm going to go over some of the stuff in this Nintendo Direct that we just had. Uh, one of the big hallmarks of a Nintendo Direct is it's usually, or, or if there is a new character coming to Smash, it will be announced at a Nintendo Direct. So usually when a new Direct is announced, Smash fans kind of go nuts with their speculations on who the new character is going to be. This time, everybody got who they wanted. Just kidding. It's Pyra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a game that was not good and nobody should play. Um, everybody remembers Pyra from Xenoblade. Oh, yeah. Crumble. That classic... <laughs> yeah. That... Uh, Classic, iconic video game hero, Pyra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, listen, if there's something Smash needed, it's anime characters with swords. Um, so whatever. Yep. She's in the game. I guess she transforms into another version. I never really got too far in that game, so whatever. 
Um, this next game to me personally is a huge deal. I have always been a big fan of the Seiken Densetsu series. Um, Legend of Mana is a game that came out on PlayStation in the late 90s. That was a, it's not one of the mainline entries in the Seiken Densetsu series, but it is a side story and it actually is almost like an origin story of sorts, even though it's, it's kind of, all of those games are very loosely connected. Um, and this one is even loose, more loosely connected to, to the main kind of legend of our Final Fantasy adventure. Secret of Mana, and then Seiken Densetsu 3, which is now referred to as Trials of Mana. Um, and Legend of Mana, it's a weird game, but I love it. It's got an incredible soundtrack by Yoko Shimomura, who did Mario RPG. She did Street Fighter 2. Um, she's just one of the best video game composers of all time. Um, and it's, it's got a cute anime style. It's a hack and slash game. Um, the combat is unnecessarily deep because it's so easy, but there's so much that you can do with it. Um, but it's a it's a cute little game. I it's got a special place in my heart. I think that a lot of people are happy with this announcement because it does seem kind of out of nowhere. I, I was definitely taken back or, or, or taken by surprise by this. And this um, is like so, an HD remaster, right? Like they they don't yes. not like a so full it's, remaster. You know, yeah, it's weird because they it looks like they've redrawn all of the environmental assets or or maybe rescanned them into the game. Um because the original game was all hand-drawn environments. Um but the sprites don't look like they're high res. The sprites are still a little bit pixelated, but the environments are look high res. Uh so kind of an interesting contrast there. Um but but it looks it looks like a very faithful remake um i'm very very excited to get my hands on that that's coming to switch i think it's coming to everything but i yeah I, obviously at the nintendo direct they only mentioned the switch port but i think i saw elsewhere that it will be coming to at least playstation yeah i think it's um, steam okay most of that square stuff they just put it out on everything yeah um so man i'm very excited about that um okay it's we are actually yesterday was the yesterday or today is is the 35th anniversary of the release of legend of zelda uh, uh yesterday anyway, yesterday okay um because it's your birthday right gus we share that's a birthday you know. zelda and nice. i are connected that's beautiful yeah. um and this is the 35th anniversary of the famicom disc system release of the legend of zelda so to celebrate that, fucking Nintendo, god damn it. Uh, if you ever <laughs> wanted to pay 60 bucks for Skyward Sword, here's your chance. It's coming out on Switch. Um, they, I w so I don't like Skyward Sword. I think maybe some people like it. I, I was pretty much, I don't think I ever want to play that game again. Um, it's a game that originally came out on Wii and, and almost felt like just a, a way that Nintendo could make use of the Wii Motion Plus, um, which was a pack-in, I believe, with with Skyward Sword originally. Um, yeah. One thing I will say that I am happy with Nintendo for doing is that they have made it so that you can play it with just traditional gamepad controls, analog sticks and buttons. I think that's a good move because I think this game fucking sucks when you try to play it with 
the motion controls. Um, and doing that with the Wii, or I was going to call them the Wii modes, doing that with the Joy-Cons does not seem fun. Um, so I'm happy that they made that decision. That being said, I don't think that that redeems Skyward Sword in any way. I think that game has way too many problems um, for me to even want to go back to it. How, do you guys like this game? Are you guys excited for Skyward Sword? I don't think it's a god-awful game. I don't think it's, like, irredeemable. There were some dungeons that I actually enjoyed, some puzzles that I actually enjoyed. But it's, I think, easily my least favorite mainline Zelda game, probably. Yeah. Um, not even just the 3D ones. I mean, I've there, you know, the some of the DS ones, like I don't I never played Spirit Track, so I don't know about that. But yeah, I mean I can't really think of too many Zelda games that I liked less than Skyward Sword. Agreed. Um, so that's coming out. Well, one thing I do want to say that I thought was funny about the, the announcement was um uh what's his name? I'll the Zelda the producer. Zelda yeah, I don't know. I, I, I forgot. Uh, but yeah. anyways, the guy that came out to introduce Zelda, uh, he, uh, Skyward Sword, uh, he mentioned that it's like, oh, did you do you guys know that um, in Skyward Sword we introduced some of the mechanics that uh, went on to be in Breath of the Wild, like yeah. the sprinting and like the the, the paraglider. Yeah. And, uh, and that's true. Like that is true. But I was like, dude. The way Skyward Sword uh, influenced Breath of the Wild is that you made this game, and then at least thankfully you learned all the right lessons, and then made Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. uh, like you did the opposite. So, yeah. like, so that's really the influence of Skyward Sword. That this game had to die so Breath of the Wild could live. Yeah. Yep. That is funny. That's a really funny uh, uh, observation. Um. So yeah, that's it's coming out. I know that there are fans of Skyward Sword. If this, if if you are one of those people, then I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. You're so cute. Just kidding. I just wish <laughs> it should have been it should have been HD Wind Waker, HD Twilight yeah. Princess, HD Skyward Sword. Dude, and then maybe I would have I, I would have bought it, and maybe I would have given Skyward Sword another shot just to yeah. now that I have Breath of the Wild, maybe out of curiosity. But I'm not gonna pay sixty dollars for it, dude. When they just put out Mario 3D All Stars and gave us three of the greatest games of all time yeah why what was keeping them from doing that exact same thing to celebrate the 35th anniversary of of zelda give us wind waker twilight princess and skyward sword money i'm know. guessing because i think we'll see them but they're going to be separate yeah, and they're all going to yeah, be 60 dollars for sure um okay so the big announcement really the end of show end of nintendo direct announcement was splatoon 3 um i don't know if you guys are well actually gus i know that you are a big splatoon fan um i, I go ahead yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of the first splatoon um not to say anything about the second one for whatever reason i never got on that boat uh but when i played when i had a wii u um it didn't have a lot of games coming out, but when I bought Splatoon, I went on a huge trip with that game. Like I was playing that game nonstop. In fact, I I want to say that it's one of the shooters of of recent years of, of or the last. When I say recent years, I really mean like the last decade. That uh, competitive shooters that I've actually been into. Um, not to say that other competitive shooters were bad, but I think in my older age, you know, I stopped being so obsessed with like 
kill death ratios like kd ratios and then just mm-hmm. trying to own everybody and stuff like that and uh, splatoon offered me a way to get into this game and not be so obsessed with just like killing the other opponents like it's it's mechanics of just the of what's it called turf war where you're supposed to ink yeah. the territory more than the other it just felt like you're always participating without having to be the guy that's like you know on top of the scoreboard every single time so yeah um, I'm, I'm excited for it. I actually bought Splatoon 2 a couple of weeks ago, but I haven't gotten around to playing it. Um, I guess I have a whole year now to play it before Splatoon yeah. 3. So that's yeah. Cool. Safe, safe buy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I also like Splatoon a lot. I actually did, did not have Splatoon 1, even though I did have a Wii U. I never got Splatoon 1. I jumped in on Splatoon 2, um, and which I think was the right move, actually, because it didn't really seem like Splatoon 2 even did anything too too much um, to advance things beyond what Splatoon 1 did. Um, yeah. as, as great as those games are, Splatoon 2, I think a lot of people felt a little bit disappointed in what it offered compared to the first game. It really just felt like... Uh, bringing what Splatoon 1 had already done onto the Switch, making it available to the Switch user base, which obviously was, is much, much bigger than the Wii U ever was or ever will be, um, which is great. Um, so what I'm, what I'm hoping for for Splatoon 3 is that it really takes off with it. You know, Like we've seen what Splatoon is. It was reinforced in Splatoon 2. And now I'd like to see Nintendo really do something with Splatoon that isn't just the... I mean, I, the the team-based stuff is great, and I think Turf War, you're right. I, when I played Splatoon 2, I definitely spent the most time playing Turf War. Um, I think that's at the core of what Splatoon is. Um, but I also want to see just more... I want to see it go in more directions. Um, and I'm hoping... And it, I get the feeling, and maybe I'm being misled, but I get the feeling that maybe that's the direction that Nintendo is going in with Splatoon 3. And the reason that I say that is the opening shot of this Splatoon 3 trailer was like a a derelict upside-down Eiffel Tower stuck in the ground in the middle of a desert in a post-apocalyptic world. And and when I saw the, uh, what is it called? The ink, squid, squid kid, or what are they called? inkling uh, inklings inkling when i saw the inkling obviously i was like okay yeah splatoon but really it was until that point i was like what is this what are what are we watching a trailer for here um and that sense of like it, maybe they just did that for the trailer but i do kind of hope that maybe there's like a a more detailed uh more uh, a deeper story mode in this iteration of splatoon i kind of hope so what do you think gus yeah, that that's the hope I think because I think um, I, again I haven't played Splatoon two single player, but Splatoon single player, it had some really neat things and and it, it used the mechanics the the Splatoon mechanics in a really neat way, but it was it was very uh, bare bones. It was very basic. It was short, um, just a couple of hours long. It just seemed like you know we talk about Bowser's Fury kind of being like a um, an, a concept that that needs expansion. That was kind of like the first Splatoon campaign. Um, I think with the mechanics and and from what I understand, this is EAD. This is like Nintendo's in um, um, yeah, first like party. It's just main, kind of the, the newer. Yeah, like the main, yeah. like Mario, but it's just more of the newer blood. Uh, 
I I know that they're capable of doing something pretty extraordinary with these mechanics and 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 in the single player and just expand it into like a a super impressive like ten to fifteen hour campaign. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think that that would be great. I think um, having that in addition to what I think is is fantastic multiplayer. Um, I think that would make a, a really, really great overall full complete package. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. A lot of people, uh, myself included, did not realize that Splatoon, the series, takes place in a post-apocalyptic Earth setting. Um, so mm-hmm. that was kind of an interesting reveal. Um, but I guess that they've kind of hinted at that, or uh, it's kind of it, it's been it's been that way since the first Splatoon. But I don't think it was yeah. front and center until this until this last trailer. So. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That that was kind of the big like I said, that and Legend of Mana were kind of the big uh reveals for me. Uh Daniel, what did you think about the direct overall? Um I agree that it wasn't I you know, I'm not as familiar with the direct uh format, but I I feel like there was one a couple of years ago that was just a series of bangers. I seem to remember Donkey Kong being involved a lot. Do you, do you remember um, that? Yeah, I think you're so, talking about the E3 one that where Breath of the Wild 2 was uh announced and like Banjo Kazooie uh, and it was just like a lot of uh big announcements. I think it was like 2 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So that maybe is what I'm So when you earlier when you said, "Oh, they're equal disappointment." I was like, "Huh, that doesn't really in my mind that didn't really resonate just because I remember that is the other one I remember sticking out with just, you know, okay. banger on banger. Um, but, but I will say that I also purchased Splatoon 2 not too long ago and it's, you know, sitting in my backlog, so I'll get around <laughs> to it. But yeah, it does not sound like this is the, the thrill a minute, uh, Nintendo Direct. And maybe it was just, I don't know. It almost just feels like this was kind of their leftovers. <laughs> they were just kind of yeah. like, oh, what do we have? Well, let's open up the vault. Well, we got, uh, the next platoon game which is the big thing and we got skyward sword <laughs> and then oh yeah this uh this character from xenoblade chronicles and yeah, yeah and they're like there it is there's the there's the direct yeah. um so uh, yeah I, I i i tend to agree um that being said i do think that you know there's there's this kind of joke about uh nintendo it's just like, oh, what are you what are you playing? Oh, well, the new Mario game, the new Zelda game, or and in, in a lot of cases it's like the old Mario game and the old Zelda game. Uh-huh. Uh but um, but that does you know, that is a testament to the the quality, you know. So if, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, for every Skyward Sword HD, you also get uh Super Mario 3D Land, and you also get the remakes that tell you why nintendo is so sort of special and why it is in a certain sense it's there is a there every everything is a remake of a remake these days half the stuff we talk about is remake but the nintendo stuff i think there is value to remaking it in a a lot of ways because i think there's lasting quality like you were talking about the the level design in super that I, i i as soon as you say that i totally understand what you mean because that's what mario games are to me just very very like well-developed fun incredibly fun uh level right yeah um so you know that you know it's not the best lineup but 
<laughs> it's Tendo, I guess. You, you 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 have to kind of judge them on a different scale, or you don't have to, but people tend to judge them on a different scale. <laughs> it's better for yourself if you do. It's better for your yeah. mental health if you do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the Nintendo Direct. Um, all right, let's move on. It's time to talk about the big one. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, this Warner Brothers thing. Warner Brothers has patented a the Nemesis system, okay, um, which is a... So to, to, to restate this, the Nemesis system is featured as one of, one of the main features of the... I will call it the Shadow, the Middle Earth Shadow series franchise. These are um, action games that, in terms of their their combat design and um, and I guess exploration or um, even just their progression, to me they've always kind of seemed like the Batman game, the the uh, Arkham series. Um, uh especially in the combat i think that's that's where i really draw that that uh parallel um but the other selling point of both of these titles is what the uh developer which is i know it's published by warner brothers let me pull up the name of the developer real quick monolith productions are the people who make this uh who made these two games so um the the nemesis system is a system that kind of breathes more life into the npcs specifically the enemy npcs of this game than what you would experience in a typical game in this genre and the way that it accomplishes that is it sets up a hierarchy of uh of enemies who are at what's the word i'm looking for uh like general there's like a commander at the top there are his generals underneath him um and then captains war chiefs and they're all orcs and this obviously this game takes place in middle earth okay so this is tolkien um the the tolkien mythos and uh the the what the what the system does is that your the player's interaction with these orc NPC characters is recorded by the game. And they're and kind then, of like the mini bosses. They're not like the the regular enemies you yeah. fight. They're like a little more higher up higher up. And you can I believe you can kill them and or or you can just fight them and, and mess them up and that can affect you know yeah. dynamically affect how that how they respond to you and how that passes through the system. And, and exactly. you know, they kill them in the hierarchy, they're replaced and that. It's yeah. kind of like a you dynamic can... NPC sort of adjust to your gameplay. Yeah, very well put. Yeah. Um you you can even uh like mind control them and uh kind of spy on other um units, other NPCs within this hierarchy. Um it's in a I did really I, I didn't really have much interest in this in these two games when they came out just because um the combat didn't look like something that i would enjoy but this nemesis system itself is so fucking cool um the way that it allows for emergent gameplay situations to 
to emerge um, is so unique and um, and unfortunately, it's, we're only ever going to see it in these games or other games published by Warner Brothers because they have filed a patent, successfully obtained the patent for this system, meaning uh, essentially a similar, um, what's the word? A, a similar systems cannot be uh, used or, or developed in games without by their other permission. With, without their permission, yeah. Um, this fucking sucks. Um, I think this yeah. is one of the worst things in, t in terms of just the, the ramifications that this will happen on games as an art form, as games that, uh, on ways that the design of games can be pushed, in ways that games as a medium can be pushed to do new things, to give players, to give people new experiences. This is like the worst thing that has happened in a long time. And I know that that's, that sounds so uh, doomy and hyperbolic, but I really think it's true in terms of like, and, and it's not just because of the Nemesis system. I want to make that clear. The Nemesis system is cool. It sucks that it was patented. But what I'm afraid of is that this opens the door for all types of imitations of this, of publishers, deciding to patent systems in their games and even maybe gameplay mechanics right this is this is this comes so close to just patenting mario jumping up and down right like i feel like this is it's not quite there but it almost feels like that could be the next step well the example i'm kind of thinking of just in a hypothetical scenario it's what if nintendo patent uh, had patented the z-lock targeting when ocarina of time came out Right, like that that would have been like uh, how many games used that yeah, like I mean, afterwards? Like an entire like, generation just, of yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like a, that yeah. would have been a we would be living in a different video game reality if that were the case. Yeah. So I again, I, I think the Nemesis system is is great. I think it's fantastic. I I was hoping to see it in in more games and and people when it came out, people were saying this is what we're going to be seeing. I heard it all over the place in games discourse. People were saying, now that, we now that we've experienced this hierarchical NPC system that, that reacts to player input dynamically, this is the new, this is going to be the hot new shit that we see in every game. And it didn't happen. And whether or not that's because maybe behind the scenes, developers and publishers kind of knew that this was a potentiality is that a word potentiality that this was one of the potential outcomes of this maybe they knew that warner brothers was trying to to get this patent and and they shied away from putting a similar system in their own games i don't know yeah. but but doesn't matter now because we're we're definitely never going to see it again at least in other games outside of warner brothers and i hate to say it but warner brothers isn't making isn't publishing any games really that I have interest in. They're definitely not doing. Um, I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm saddened by this. Um, but again, the the bigger picture of this is what what is the next thing that gets patented? What's the next gameplay system or just piece of of game design that a publisher decides to patent and just lock everybody else out of 
So here's the, this is the, from the filing, and I know that there's, patents are exceedingly complicated, but this is just from a, a succinct description. Now, when you hear this, you're going to say, that sounds pretty general, and that should worry the hell out of you. <laughs> because if you can, the more general your patent can be, the more, the easier it is to sue and say, look, you're violating my patent. So right. here it is. Um a system for managing non-player characters and power centers in a computer game that are based on character hierarchies and individualized correspondence between each character's trait or rank and events that involve other non-player characters or objects. Um, that is extremely general. Um, yeah. That I, and I feel like it would could be stretched to cover other systems in other games that are not the nemesis system but are maybe like simpler versions of something like the nemesis system like this is the you know reading that again or just looking over it there's nothing in there that says that these are you know in in shadow of mordor these were pretty complicated hierarchies with, with lots of individuals but there's nothing in there that says that it just says um, a system for managing non-player characters and power centers based on character hierarchies like that's not yeah that's, it's just very general and doesn't so even like, it can, any, it can, so, i mean it, that that basically just said like if you're if you have a game and an npc talks to another npc and then that has some effect on the game that's that's an infringement on that patent which is like yeah. that's not the nemesis system at all like that's that's a tiny little piece of the nemesis system, or I guess that's the nemesis system is a tiny little piece of that, you know? Like, yeah. And I will is, say again, I'm not a patent expert. It might, it might, there might be nuances to this that I'm missing, but that is an exceedingly simplistic, uh, a exceedingly general way to describe a system. <laughs> so yeah. it should, it should, uh, you know, concern, that. but you know, the, one of the, ways that this can be so maybe so maybe i don't i don't know how they're going to enforce this patent patent but maybe they enforce it like the the other patent troll not that they're patent trolls but they're going to maybe just extract little bits of money out of each person who kind of has this right it's not yeah, exactly the same casual extortion so just <laughs> yeah. just let, let us let's get two million dollars now the problem with that kind of thing is then what does it do? It just means that if you don't have a certain amount of resources, you're going to be chilled out of trying something like this because you're going to yeah. be afraid of being having a little bit. You know, maybe they're not going to all flat out sue you, but maybe they'll send you a threatening letter for mm -hmm. something. Like, why would you even want to risk something like? That? Um, yeah. It's it's terrible. I will say the one thing that you can maybe take hope from is that it's. It's almost so general that you can kind of like, I mean, it almost covers too much. <laughs> like if it like it, it covers so much shit that it can't possibly be like when push comes to shove, how the hell are they going to enforce something like this? Because because, you know, if, if it comes down to it, you can say like, OK, my system is this. What about this other system that also kind of falls under this? It's it's NPCs. The Skyrim system has NPCs that do different things based on your interaction with them. Why doesn't that fall under this? Right. It's it's not. Uh. So so there is. You know. I I don't want to say. You know. Again, not a patent expert. I don't want to be totally pessimistic about about this because you know the people are clever 
ideas bash into one another and people get away with things, things slip through the cracks and, and innovation happens, whether uh, the people with the money want it to happen or not. Yeah. <laughs> it, it tends to happen. Um, and I think one, yeah, one it's cool... just, it is just uh, a slap in the face though, because it is such a cool little system and you can think of all sorts of cool little variation in various games and yeah, just to slap it with this like very general and again, yeah, what does this mean in other games where you can just describe something that's very general in your game that may may or may not be particularly unique and then say, yep, this is, this is mine, the way that uh, dialogue influences the flow of a storyline or something. Yeah. Um, as One cool thing that did come out of this, which I think uh, is an example of why I love the indie dev community so much and why just like how punk rock indies can be um shortly after this story broke uh there was a a game jam on itch.io which was specifically break this patent like infringe upon this patent make a game over the weekend that explicitly infringes upon this patent um i i, I think i'd I'm definitely interested in going back to that and seeing what people were able to come up with. Um, I love when game jams do that. I think it's great. Um, and you know, indies are so tiny who, who gives a fuck, you know, like it's, it's just a shitty little thing they put out for free on itch for a game jam. Um, we get to enjoy it. It's poking fun at this thing. I don't know. I just like the attitude. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention one of the things that bothers me. I mean, there's a lot of things that bother me about this entire situation, but maybe one of the most ironic things is that if you look at these games, the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games, yes, they have this really cool um, uh, system in the Nemesis system, and it is new. And it's, it's not something we've seen before. But take a look at all the other parts of the game. Um, you already mentioned it, Nack. Like, there's some Batman-like elements in the combat. Um, uh, in terms of the exploration, the way you traverse the world, it's an Assassin's Creed game, is what it is. I mean, right. it plays exactly yeah. like an Assassin's that's Creed right. game. And what I want to say about that is that that's okay. Like, it's okay for developers to take some ideas from other developers and then implement their own difference and their own solutions to make a a different game. And then somebody else will take the Nemesis system and make a different game. Yeah. That is how the industry grows. That's what innovation is. Like, it's not all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all in a vacuum. And when you have these patents now, you're you're starting to put like, no, you can't touch this. You you can't change our system. It's ours. And, you know, I don't even think Warner Brothers has done a whole lot with the. I'm, I'm not sure what the improvements are from Shadow of Mordor to Shadow of War, but I, I don't see this system growing uh, if in the, at the same pace if if you know other developers could take take a stab at it. Uh, you know, just like with when I mentioned Breath of the Wild the last episode, it's like I want to see other developers take that and run with it, and it's cool that we're seeing some of that. But I know that there's a developer in the future that's really going to nail it. That's not Nintendo. And with this, that's like there, there was a developer waiting in the wings that was probably going to nail even like expand on this concept. That's not um, monolith. And we're not going to see that anymore, at least not without some financial consequences, which is it's just very sad to see because they took it. This developer and this publisher took advantage of the idea of, of, of you know, taking ideas from other developers. And then so, they're now they're just like, no, you can't do this to ours. And to build on that, dude. 
there's no fucking way that that monolith what is it what is it again monolith soft that's that's a different one what did i say before whatever whatever the monolith yeah it's monolith. what was mm-hmm. just monolith i i imagine the people at monolith when they found out that warner brothers was doing this were like sitting amongst themselves just being like are you fucking kidding me like we came up with this thing and fucking warner brothers is just gonna like take it out from under us like i don't know i I, obviously i don't know that to be factually what the attitude was there but i can't imagine but you as as a a developer can see yourself sitting in that position yeah nobody fucking gets into this thinking like I'm going to come up with something that only I can use, you know, like, yeah. no way. It's just fucking, that's not why people do this. No. Um, you you so, would love to see your system in another game improved yeah, upon, like, iterated upon. Yeah, totally. And I, I will say that one of the, so I will say, you know, the, uh, one of the IGN articles says that there are other systems that sort of don't, necessarily run into legal issues like the mercenary system in ACO Odyssey and there's a census system in Watchdog Legion that's supposedly a little bit like this and apparently there's you know there's dynamically generated NPCs and social networks but it's different enough I guess it's maybe not as hierarchical or whatever um so it's different so it doesn't necessarily run across this. So it's not like this This sort of closes the door on, on all of those systems. But then the question arises, are those systems patentable? And at that point, like the, pro- the problem with the patent system isn't necessarily just the patent, each individual patent. It's that it freezes all innovation <laughs> when you yeah. are afraid. You're afraid. Yeah. You're like, why would I even start developing a system? Because it might, oh, it turns out it's a little bit too much like the mercenary system or the... Uh, the census system and watchdog legions, and then I'm going to get a letter or something like that. When it when you take these what are fundamentally mechanical issues um, and patent them like that, it seems it seems it it also seems strange. Like and and maybe there are patents like this, but a lot of game mechanics come from like board games, like tabletop games, right? Yeah, that and it's like if you could patent the mechanics in the games, why could you not patent patent the mechanics in the tabletop games and then it creates it creates an even bigger scope of if i'm just you know when i read the patent for this it said in a computer game but like if you patent it and leave that term out maybe it's and again we're not experts on patents so maybe this is an issue that's dealt with in the in the law but at the same time as a indie developer you're not an expert on patents either are you just gonna (laughs) you're aren't you it's going to chill innovation because you don't know if you're going to run across any of these patents. Yeah. Whether you do or not, you know, maybe like a, a patent lawyer could tell you, oh, you're just being silly. You're overreacting because for this and this reason, you know, but then you as just a developer, you look at this and you're like, what the hell am I yeah. supposed to do? Like, I, can I just not make a system like this? And yeah, it's a, it's a totally reasonable fear. And I, I think that that amount of that innovation, not the innovation that is killed when, you know, X sues Y, or you know and a game is shut down or they have to pay two million out of their pocket to keep going but the innovation that never happens yeah (laughs) because people are just frozen out yeah exactly or or, yeah or yeah what if i spend two years on this and then i get sued and it's all taken away two years and i'm I'm an indie developer making games in my spare time 
right with like waiting no time tables for, and, yeah exactly yeah. yeah man it's so shitty dude it, this is, it is such a shitty fucking thing for warner brothers to do and i hope that there has been enough backlash and and I, there was i mean there, there was significant backlash to this on twitter from all over the place other other developers i don't know if other publishers went as far as to publicly decry this but um definitely journalists and other independent or or individual devs definitely came out to uh to voice their their opposition to this um, so I hope that Warner Brothers heard that and maybe will understand that they need to back off. But also, maybe they understand that they don't need to. I hope that, I mean, that's that's kind of my fear. Warner Brothers is one of the biggest entertainment corporations on the planet. Um, I imagine that if they feel like they can spend the money to secure this patent, there's a reason for that. Um, so I don't know. It's scary. It sucks. Um, all All I can really do is hope that it doesn't uh, inspire copycat, you know, patent patents to to start springing up from other publishers. Well, because then you're so. then the fear is, what if I make a system? Somebody makes, you know, you're incentivized to run to the patent office because what if somebody makes a system that's slightly different yeah. than yours, enough different that they can patent it, and then you're screwed because <laughs> yeah. that's your system. And again, I've been working on this game for two years. I'm broke. I need this game to sell, you know? It, so it incentivizes this, this, everybody to try to get a patent. So run out, you're yeah. not out patented by somebody yeah. else. It's like a, it's like an arms race for patents. Yeah, it sucks. All right. Um, so with all that being said, I think that that's a good... <laughs> we'll put a pin in it right there. Um, kind of a downer to uh, end it on. So let me just give you all something to think about or, or recap some of the things that I'm looking forward to in the world of games. Um, look forward to Windjammers 2 coming out very, very soon. I think, uh, oh, we, we don't have a date on that one, but it is coming out soon. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's right around the corner. We haven't even talked about Pokemon Snap. There's a new Pokemon Snap game, or it's called New Pokemon Snap coming out. There's a lot mm -hmm. to look forward to in games. It's not all darkness and grim. Um, but with that, we'll call it a day here on fuck. I forgot to save Dan. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nick. Gus. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. Had a great time. Me too. And listeners, thank you all for hanging out. I know that these podcasts run a little bit long, but, um, I hope that you enjoyed, uh, joining us and hearing what we have to say on all of these topics and i hope that you will join us again in march about more or less a month from now for the next episode of fuck i forgot to save thanks and we'll see you next time